Hey everybody, welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. A little bit. Is it helping? Yeah, already. Lisa is trolling me on the Zoom. You're just be grateful you can't see the obscene things that she does sometimes. This is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book each week, and we share with you the main points of the book, how we feel about it, how it affected us, so that you will know in less than an hour if this book is worth your time or not. We also don't believe in binaries and dichotomies, so take that with a grain of salt. And (laughs) that is what we call our Full Frontal Friday episodes, but this is our Tuesday episode. It is the weekly beef Now, for the first 200-plus episodes of The Weekly Beef or our podcast, we would do homework check-ins. So we assign each other a bit of homework from the book because we really want to put this self-help stuff to practice and see if it improves our lives or helps us in any way or how challenging it was. Is it not practical, et cetera? We are now putting what we call deep dives into those homework assignments on our Patreon because we wanted a more intimate place to connect with all of you. And let me tell you that our very first deep dive that we just put up from the book Burnout by Emily Nagoski and Emila Nagoski It got so personal. I mean, like, really personal and amazing. It went, (laughs) it did go deep. It went deep and high and wide. That's a teaser for you. But I I love Um, it. And they're video episodes. So you can see us talking about these very intimate things. (laughs) Super candid conversations. It really does feel like a fireside chat with friends. So if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, take a gander. The link's in show notes. You can support the podcast for just a couple dollars a month and get all sorts of updates and exciting perks. And if you haven't gotten your GHY merch yet, there's also a link to that in show notes. We have super cute designs going up all the time. It is so fun. Let us know what you think about it. And without further ado, since we already did our homework, Chuck and Lisa... What do you have for us for our weekly beef? Yeah, so now the weekly beefs are going to be supplemental self-help material. I'm very excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did I not say that? It's it's anything self-help that's not a book, baby. That's right. And also, this is an explicit podcast. We cuss, sometimes right. we sing, and we even moo. So <laughs> just know that. I love you. So I have an article today from Mashable called Self-Care Isn't Enough. We Need Community Care to Thrive. Which is, oh, damn. you know, our, my vein because I hate the concept of self-care. I think it's a misnomer. Nobody does anything alone. Yes. Yes. And how are people supposed to pull themselves up from the bootstraps when they've been completely overlooked by the community and society overall? This is by Heather Dockray and it's from May 24, 2019. So everything I'm sure that's being said in this article is just doubled or tripled in the pandy. So. Mm-hmm. Did you say the pandemic? I just said the pandy, but I also call it the pandam. The pandy? (laughs) The pandy, the pandam, or the pandemic. The pandemic. Oh, nice. Okay. Here we go. If you've spent any time on planet Earth in the past five years, chances are that someone has recommended that you, quote, take some time for self-care. Maybe a friend has encouraged you to enjoy a, quote, treat yourself kind of day. 
Maybe they've told you to make yourself a bubble bath or get a manicure or download a self-care app that can teach you how to breathe better. At the heart of all this advice is the same operational principle. If you want to feel better, you need to do the labor yourself for yourself. That's why some experts like Nikita Valerio, a Toronto-based community organizer and researcher who specializes in building cross-cultural bridges, ask that people consider practicing another form of compassion, community care. Valerio went viral for a tweet that included a quote of hers emphasizing the difference between self-care and community care. For her, the difference between the two forms of empathy is night and day. And here's, they have an insert of her tweet from March 30, 2019. She says, shouting, quote, self-care at people who actually need, quote, community care is how we fail people. Unlike self-care, community care does not place the onus of compassion on a single individual. In a phone interview with Mashable, Valerio defined community care as people committed to leveraging their privilege to be there for one another in various ways. Yet this form of care isn't entirely selfless, at least not in the long run. They, the care providers, know that when they will also need care in the future, others will be there for them, she says. Community care involves more than one person. It can include two, three, or possibly hundreds of people. You can practice community care in your personal life, offline, or even in digital spaces. It's so much bigger and so much more important than a manicure. So what is community care anyway? The term community care is known in social movements and in the nonprofit world, but has yet to move into mainstream culture. The concept shouldn't be that hard to translate. Community care is basically any care provided by a single individual to benefit other people in their life. This can take the form of protests for which community care is best known, but also simple interpersonal acts of compassion. And here's another tweet they inserted from 2017 that says, we need to stop pretending that concepts such as call-outs, cancellations, self-care, and energy protection aren't often individualistic, self-serving, and capitalistic notions veiled in so-called woke language. Valerio says, community care can look like a lot of different things. It can be as simple as reaching out to somebody over text when you just need someone to talk. It can be grabbing groceries, someone grabbing groceries for you, or somebody coming and doing your dishes and watching your kids while you're grieving. Valerio compares community care to an extended family where members are intimately connected to and routinely perform acts of compassion on behalf of one another. It's more than going to someone's art opening. It's about being committed to being there for people, she says. It's about being there for people without them having to take the initial first step. It's about adopting an ethos of compassion and very intentionally applying that. While sustained interpersonal acts of kindness are a critical part of community care, there are also more structured versions. They can take a number of forms like neighborhood groups, communal homes, support groups, and community-based nonprofits. Patricia Omidan, Omidian, maybe, for example, is an anthropologist and founding director of Focusing International, which provides community wellness services around the world. Her practice is grounded in community care principles. For her, community care is an especially powerful form of care in marginalized communities that are more collectivist than individualist. In certain communities in Afghanistan, for example, she found that she had to work with groups, not individuals, to reduce levels of domestic violence. When dealing with violence against women committed by other women in Afghanistan, she said she, quote, really needed to really work at the family level to change levels of domestic violence. Valerio has had similar experiences. She references a Muslim Jewish community collective she's built that, among other things, helps individuals escape from abusive homes. Many of the women who are in her group have survived violence themselves. She says, we have gotten women out of their houses and into safe housing. We will literally go like a team of six women, pack their stuff, get them out, 
we all do things for each other too. We're a group that's done a lot of great work just because we set the intention to come together regularly. She discovered the power of community care when she was struggling with postpartum depression. She turned to not just one, but a community of doulas who specialized in postpartum issues to help her deal with her trauma. In the midst of her crisis, she recognized that self-care just wasn't enough to do the real work of healing. Self-care was just a band-aid for a much bigger problem, and she needed others to survive. Her feelings are highly understandable. Brian Wall, PhD, is an assistant scientist with John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. He strongly believes in a community-based system of care and support systems like Valerio's. For him, minimizing social isolation, isolation, minimizing social isolation and turning to a community for support is a critical ingredient in mental health. He says, we would never ask anybody to deal with other health issues on their own. Let's say you've got a terrible case of pneumonia. There are systems and structures set up to help with these things and mental health should be no different. He believes that to maximize wellness, people should receive community care from both their government and their friend networks. But not everyone is lucky enough to enjoy the strong circle of friends that he believes is essential to health. People have been surveyed every several years about how many close friends they have, he says. Increasingly, it's gone down and down, and now the average is less than one. Most people have zero very close friends. That's terrifying. Can you imagine not having any close friends who you feel like you could call up and talk to? He is careful not to blame individuals themselves for their isolation. Shrinking social networks are a cultural problem. Building friendships takes emotional and sometimes financial resources, resources that many people simply can't afford to spare. Still, he hopes that people make the effort to develop meaningful friendship networks who can provide community care down the road. And his claims are backed by clinical evidence that shows having friends improves well-being and longevity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And last but not least, this section says self-care alone can't solve systemic issues. For that, you need community care. So self-care is primarily an act of compassion directed towards oneself. And while that sounds nice on paper, Valerio struggles with the actual practice of it. She's a Muslim woman, and in her experience, self-care doesn't fully heal or protect her community or uh, and herself. So she says it doesn't address the systemic issue that people who face compounded discrimination have to deal with. I might be getting a pedicure, but it's not going to stop someone from coming up to me and asking me why I'm wearing a hijab. I'm Muslim. We can't just leave our identity at home when we go and get pedicures. She's careful to note that community care also isn't enough to solve structural oppression on its own and that not all forms of self-care are vacuous. Self-care doesn't do much to lessen systemic inequality. She says somebody's bills aren't going to be paid because they swept the floor, but it can help improve mood and community care isn't exactly going to create a socialist utopia overnight either. There's a little bit more about this as talking between about Wall and, and Valerio too, but they mentioned that it can happen in digital spaces as well. And they mentioned WhatsApp specifically, but it doesn't identify as a community care app, but it can serve as that function. And I thought about you and your friends, how you guys, how you have that. Oh, yeah. I've got a bunch of different little WhatsApp groups. Yes. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. So they also call out Goop because community Uh-oh. care is harder to monetize, but that doesn't mean that it can't grow. So like Goop trades heavily in self-care and like their products sell for like $190, right? Oh, it's yeah. It's made it worth $250 million. But they're offering up this thought, like, how do you monetize a friend who comes over to do your laundry or when you're too sick to get up, right? Like, how That's do you capitalize point, on a volunteer yeah. experience? Mm-hmm. Right. She says monetizing community care is antithetical to the practice's core values. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Community care is anti-capitalist. And then they have this great <laughs> tweet that has a picture of cows talking about 
anti-capitalism. So there's a little bit more in there. I don't want to uh, read all of it. The link will be in show notes, but it's, yeah. you know, just a, it was an interesting article. I thought it also tied in really well to what we were talking about on the deep dive. Yes. Mm-hmm. When we talked about, From yeah, burnout. About, yeah. Yeah. And what this reminds me of is like, I've definitely been the recipient of community care or been part of the community that's caring, but it feels like, at least in my cultural space, you know, here in Los Angeles and California in the United States, it is when someone is in dire need. So when someone has passed away or has had a baby, I have seen food trains. Somebody says like, everybody sign up for a date, drop off a meal, I'll help organize, that kind of thing. But And that's really nice to know that it happens in those really acute situations. But as you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense and would foster such a sense of safety and well-being, at least personally for me, to know that community care is there on a regular basis. You know, like, do you have young kids? I'm going to come over for the afternoon so that you can just have a day of of rest. Or I'm going to throw in a couple of the laundry for you. Or like, Lisa, you're having a hard time. You had a really stressful thing happen, I'm going to come over and clean your kitchen and, you know, drop off a meal. Like that doesn't, it would feel so much nicer if that was always there, just like an undercurrent that we're here for each other, but it's not how it goes. Yeah. I think that some people do make these small communities, right? Like their friends, maybe in their neighborhood, Mm -hmm. but also again, Mm -hmm. you know, I love that this article is very intersectional in nature and it talks about how It requires money often to make friends, you know, and... Oh, yeah. Do you want to go see this thing? Do you want to go do that thing? I need gas to drive to you. That that kind of a thing. Yeah. But also... The UK is studying effects of loneliness on seniors because so many of their seniors are suffering from loneliness, right? Like, and you know, my Grammy, I remember when she was like 80 and 90, she's like, all my friends are dying. She's 109 and a half. All of her friends are dead. Do you know what I mean? Like she's outlived everyone. It's crippling. The loneliness is crippling. So absolutely, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And also I think, I think having a great group of friends really does help. And I think there's an extra shift in intentionality of we will actively try to show up for each other. I think it's like an unspoken thing in friends. And a lot of it tends to be like, hey, emotionally, I'm here for you. Like, I will pick up the phone when you call. I will come over if you need someone to talk to. But I, I don't see as much of like, I'm going to come over and clean your bathroom because that would be something that would <laughs> really help you out. Or I'm going to, you know, take really meet a need of yours that's maybe more physical. Than, yeah, or like you said, just kind of day-to-day so. versus in crisis. Yeah, and so going in with that specific intention, I think could really enrich, you know, an already powerful dynamic or strengthen more loose ties, you know, and knowing that it's reciprocal. That just yeah. sounds really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the yeah. link to this article is in show notes. And let us know if you're practicing community care and how you're doing it. You can email us at goharpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And it'll be easier to do when there's a vaccine, obviously. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But thank you for joining us on Thanks, this everybody. new version of the Huicle Yeah. And may your self-care and community care. Be abundant. abundant. 
Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.